Um, today, I want to start us on a new series called First Comes Love. First Comes Love. The old nursery rhyme goes like this. There are two people sitting in a tree, K-I-S-S-I-N-G. First comes love, then comes marriage, then comes a baby in a baby carriage. Let's be honest, relationships rarely look this way today. Um, Oftentimes, there's a different starting line than love. First doesn't come love, usually first comes lust, or first comes greed, or first comes pride. Then we take whatever dysfunction flows from there and draw a heart around it and slap a bow on it and post it online. Rarely do relationships look this way today. We know that God is love. And when we put God first in our relationships, everything that follows is blessed. In fact, that's what we've sensed from God to be the vision for this year, honoring him, putting him first. We've, uh, we've called this year restoring honor, living a life that's blessable, a life that God blesses. When we don't put him first, our relationships suffer. Paul writes about this when he's explaining the world that the gospel has come into, the brokenness of creation. He says in Romans chapter one, for although man knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking. Someone say futile. Futile, I say futile. Futile in their thinking. And their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became utter fools. Why? Because they refused to honor God and recognize him, to put him first. Dishonoring God is actually our primal sin. Every, every brokenness in the world is traced back to this. The first commandment is literally, put God first. You shall have no other gods before me. And when we don't honor him, it leads to every type of uselessness. That's what futile means, useless, uselessness. It leads to every type of uselessness and foolishness. Anybody witness any foolishness this week? Anybody witness any foolishness on their way in on the beltway today or maybe on social media this morning, on the news this week? Every type of uselessness and foolishness can be traced back to our primal sin of not honoring God and putting him first. And this is how it plays out. This is how Romans 1 plays out. The world has exchanged relationship with God for worshiping idols, and we've exchanged holy relationships for degrading relationships. That's the rest of Romans chapter 1. Because we didn't honor God, we have exchanged, we've exchanged holy relationships for broken relationships. We exchange abundance for brokenness, prosperous relationships for shrinking and shrinking and shrinking relationships, thriving for striving. In your notes today, I'd like you to title this message, Abundance Starts with a Boundary. Abundance Starts with a Boundary. One time in small town Ohio, I was with some friends going from my small town to the big town 30 minutes away to go to the mall, to go Christmas shopping, Southern Park Mall in Boardman, Ohio. That's where all the fun happened. 
And um, we're, on the, we're on the road and a snowstorm is happening around us. It just begins flurrying and flurrying and there's a lot of snow falling. And my friend is driving the car and he was driving recklessly. Too fast for the speed limit and too fast for the weather conditions and the road conditions around us. Well, in the blink of an eye, the car started to slide totally unexpectedly and my friend tried to correct it with his steering and made the car spin out. So if you can picture this, like in a movie, the car is just spinning and spinning and spinning, and me and all my friends are there just screaming, ah, this is it, this is the end. White knuckled, terrified. And what happened was the car spun off the road and ended up in the ditch. Nobody was injured, but we had to get tow cables to come and pull the car out, freezing, shivering there beside the road uh, while the, the car was being pulled out. And um, yeah, we went from that Ohio country road into that country ditch and couldn't get out without those tow cables. You know, when you're driving your car on the road, there are white and yellow lines. There are white signs that post the speed limit. When you care about where you're going, when the destination is important to you, you will stay inside those boundaries while you're driving. Now, if you don't have a goal, you don't need a boundary. If you don't care where you or where anyone else ends up, then you can drive all over the place, smash into other people, flip your car upside down, end up in the ditch. When you don't care what the picture looks like, you can color outside the lines. Now, I don't know if you're like me, but I like coloring outside the lines. <laughs> I feel like I'm wired that way. And there's, a, there's places in life for some controlled artistic chaos and some, uh, some creativity, but you know, Da Vinci didn't splatter paint the Mona Lisa. It was very detailed and purposeful. When a surgeon is gonna go to work on you, you don't want them to get in there and freestyle it. You want them to have some kind of vision for what needs to happen. And when it comes to our lives, God has a plan. He wants you to experience an amazing destination, to run the race, to cross the finish line and get a prize. He wants you to experience forever life and life right now to the max. We call it abundant life to the full. Here's a thought that I want to use as kind of a foundation for us today. In John 10.10, 10, Jesus says that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But he has come that we might have abundant life. Abundant life. In the uh, original language in the Greek, it's parasos zoe. Parasos, it means all around abundant or like overflowing overflow. Abundantly abundant is what that, it's a double emphasis word. More than, more than life. He wants us to experience life to the full. But this is the, the scripture we'll pair that with today. Jesus said, small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. I grew up knowing another translation of that scripture that says that um, hard is the road that leads to life, not narrow, but hard, and that's true. That's true, but that's not actually what the scripture said. Uh, narrow is the word thlebo in the original language in uh, Koine Greek, and, and thlebo means compressed and constricted. It means bound with boundaries. It means in the middle of some Jersey barriers. 
It means there's guardrails. And so when we read the scripture, we want to be maximally alive. We see that Jesus has for us life abundant, but there's a narrow road to access that life. He's already claimed it all for us, promised it, and complained it all, uh, and proclaimed it for our lives, but he needs us to possess it. Possess it. Just like when he promised the Israelites the promised land, they had to go in, even though it was already declared, this is for you. It's already been marked out for you. They had to go in and obediently possess it. And God wants us to possess the life he has for us. To walk the road, we need the principles of God's word to set up practices, rules, and boundaries that guide and guard our relationships. If you're taking notes today, write those two words down. What's a boundary? A boundary helps me guide and guard my relationships. And write this down too. If you want life that you can't contain, then you need to walk a path that is contained. Life that you cannot contain is only found by walking a a path that is contained, that's disciplined, and guarded by boundaries. Psalm 16, 5 and 6 says, Lord, you alone are my portion and my cup. You make my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. I think there's a wrong, there's a lie that seeps into a lot of our hearts and minds. And the lie is, if God loved me, he wouldn't place limits on my life. That love and limits don't go hand in hand. Some parents think this way. I love my kids. I don't want to oppose any of their desires. I don't want to oppose them with discipline or restrictions. That violates the universal laws that God has baked into creation of love and limits working together. When they're out of balance, we find every type of dysfunction. Psalm 85, 10 through 12 says it this way. Unfailing love and truth have met together, have married each other. Righteousness and peace have kissed. Truth springs up from the earth and righteousness smiles down from heaven. So truth springs up. We have right and wrong, inside the line, outside the line. Righteousness, truth, limits spring up from the earth. And how does God respond to these boundaries? It says this, yes, the Lord pours down his blessings. Our land will yield its bountiful harvest, abundance. When we honor the boundaries that God puts in in place to guard and guide our life, he responds with his blessing, with abundance, Boundaryless, reckless living is a lie. If we think the path to abundant life is boundaryless, we have uh, deceived ourselves. But this is a, a pillar of secularism. It's what the world preaches every day, preaches this lie that Christianity suppresses your life. Not only does it suppress you, but it oppresses you and represses you until you're depressed. That's the lie of the world. Living a repressed life uh, sexually, living a suppressed life morally live, and ethically, living a depressed life in your identity and your mental health. That's what the world would preach about following God's truth, about following a, a righteous path. It says, throw off every principle and rule. You don't need them. The ends will justify the means. You ever heard that? The ends will justify the means. That's just another way of saying, 
that the destination and the prize will overrule any unjust action, any injustice that flows out of you. That's not what the Word of God says. God tells us a, a little bit differently that it matters how we get there. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. It's not just about the kingdom we're entering, it's about how we're entering it. It's about the path we're walking to get there. Proverbs 29:18 says, "When there is no revelation, people cast off restraints. Cast off restraint, but blessed is the one who heeds wisdom's instruction." Here's what the Bible says about recklessness. Just quickly this morning, I want to give you a little bit of a word study that's going to help us over the next 6 weeks as we talk about all types of relationship issues. All types of relationship issues. It says this in Genesis 49:4, Reuben Uh, This is Jacob's last words. He's giving out blessings or not-so-blessings to his, his children. He says this, Reuben, although he was my firstborn son, he gets no blessing because he was reckless, uncontrolled as the waters of a flood, unstable and turbulent. He defiled and dishonored me. And it says this in Zephaniah 31, or 3, 1 through 4. It says that Jerusalem is rebellious, obeys no one, accepts no correction. She recklessly profanes God's law. In Luke 15, we read the story of the prodigal son. He gathered all he had, took a journey to a far country, and there he squandered his property in reckless living. 2 Timothy 3, 3 through 6 says that in the last days, people will be reckless. Lovers of themselves and lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of of God. There's a difference between living an audacious, faith-filled, bold life and living recklessly. Boldness and recklessness are two different things. Boldness says, I care. I care about God's word. I care about God's kingdom. I care about the plan and purpose he has for my life. I care about the plan he has to redeem your life. I care. Recklessness says, who cares? Recklessness says, it doesn't matter. Live however you want, end up wherever you want, who cares? There's a difference. There's a difference. If you want to do some homework this week, this is what I would ask you to do. Do uh, two studies, reckless living. If you want to identify recklessness in your own heart, look up the story of Abimelech, Gideon's son, who lives recklessly in Judges chapter 9, or David's son, Absalom, in 2 Samuel 13 through 15. Two stories of recklessness and the fruit that recklessness yields. Okay, let's talk about boundaries some more. Boundarylessness, recklessness is a lie. The reality is that recklessness will trap you in somebody else's boundaries, somebody else's barriers. What do I mean by that? Let's go back to my story about the car in the ditch. What is a ditch? A ditch is a two-sided boundary somebody made for water to flow through because they cared where the water ended up. They didn't want this roadway to be flooded. They wanted all the runoff and excess rainwater to find its way into a creek or into a crick, if you say it that way. They wanted all that water to end up in a sewer to get somewhere, so they established some boundaries and dug a ditch for the water to go to. You know what a ditch is not meant for? It's not meant for a car. And it's not meant for a person to be stuck in. But guess what? When you don't honor the boundaries that were created for your life, 
If you don't honor the boundaries of the road for your car and you want to live recklessly without any boundaries, it's a lie because you will end up inside of some boundaries, but there will be, they will be boundaries that aren't meant for your life. They will be barriers that aren't meant for you, but they will trap you. This is how it plays out in Revelation chapter 21. This is at the the end of all the end times events. The cosmic struggle of the universe is over. The new creation is coming down. And this is what it says. This is what it says. It says in Revelation 21.8, the unbelieving will be given their portion, their final boundaries in a lake of unending fire. What do you end up with at the end? If you won't honor God's boundaries for your life, you'll end up with boundaries that were never meant for you, that you weren't created for. Rules are necessary when we struggle with godly principles. I'm not huge on just rules for rules' sake, and I don't, I'm not a big lover of rules. Um, I think sometimes there can be a temptation in some of our hearts to love rules, but not the principles behind the rules or love the principles behind the rules, but not love the God behind the principles. We call that legalism, when we love the rules, but we don't love our God. But rules help us live out principles. Some people love rules and not the principles behind them. And, and let, me, let me illustrate, though, why we need some rules. One rule is don't commit adultery. Don't commit adultery. Now, Jesus spoke to the broader principle behind this rule, which is that you weren't made for lust and you weren't made for envy. He said, if you look lustfully, you've already violated the principle of not committing adultery. You've already violated that in your heart. We don't need extra unnecessary rules when we honor God's principles. If you love people, then you don't need to every day remind yourself of the rule Ah, don't commit murder. I almost did. Good thing I remember that rule. Don't, thou shalt not kill. Okay, I got it now. I reminded myself of the rule. Good. If you're living out the principle of loving your neighbor as yourself, of doing unto others as you would want to have done unto you, if you're living out the principle of God's law, which is to love your neighbor, you don't need to remind yourself or tattoo on yourself, do not kill anyone today. Do not kill. Got to remember that. But rules help us when we struggle with God's principles. They help us. Um, When you're struggling, when you find yourself struggling with a godly principle, make a rule. I like how Henry Cloud says this. He says, find the misery, then make a rule. Find the area of your life you're struggling with and make a rule that will help you honor God's principles. So if you're viewing pornography, and that's the misery in your life, make some rules. Install an accountability app, and a, a VPN-based app on your phone and on, and on your computer, on your iPad. Don't take your phone to bed with you. Put controls on your streaming platforms to restrict explicit content. 90% of men and 50% of women in America engage with pornography every single month. It's the biggest drug addiction in our country. In our, the chemicals that are released in your brain are stronger than the chemicals that are released in your brain when you're on heroin, when you're viewing pornography. Young people need examples of people who have boundaries defi- defined by God's word, who have joy 
in the power of purity. My Psalm 119 says, how can a young man keep his way pure? By living according to your word, right? It's why 1 Timothy 2.12 says, don't let anybody look down on you because you are young, but set an example for other believers in life, love, faith, speech, and purity, in purity. Um, Maybe your misery looks like this. Maybe every week you and your spouse have ugly fights that are over little things, but they blow up into character assassinations and personal attacks, unfair exaggerations, and disproportionate responses. Make a boundary. Say, okay, we we won't use absolutes like always and never. We won't speak to each other in anger. We will not speak with our voices raised. Instead of going into those freestyle assaults, we will write down our frustrations and our offenses first before we engage in a conversation about it. We will not argue in front of our children. We won't argue publicly. We won't threaten each other. We won't threaten divorce. We will own our own stuff. We won't be defensive. Make some rules. Find the misery, make a rule. Today, as we uh, talk about relationships, I just wanna share with you one boundary that each of us need to have when it comes to relationships. This is for all relationships. Whether you're single, dating, married, divorced, if you're a parent, if you're a child, if you have brothers and sisters in your life, coworkers, um, friendships uh, in, in the church, whatever your uh, relationships may be, there are governing principles that call us to set some boundaries to honor God with our relationships. The first uh, boundary I want to bring some application to today is purity. If you're taking notes, just write, one boundary I need in my life is purity. Honor God with my body. Honor God with my body. Single people in the room, say hey. Okay, say hey. All right, there you are. You know what God's expectation for you is. It's not to date. It's not to get married. It's not this or that. His expectation of you is to be holy and to live a holy life, to be a holy person. The Bible doesn't command you to date. But if you are in the market, to increase in relationships, whether that's romance or friendship or mentorship, et cetera, the best thing you can do in working towards healthy relationships is to be a holy person. It's the best thing you can do. Lust and envy destroy your empathy abilities. It wires you to use people for yourself. When it comes to the opposite sex, I want to talk to single people for a moment, all my single friends. Um, First of all, let me tell you that love at first sight is real. It is real. It's called unhealthy boundaries. Single people, remember that you are going to keep them with what you catch them with. You're going to keep them with what you catch them with. So you need to be your authentic self to the world. Don't present some sort of inauthentic version of yourself. If you want a Christ-centered relationship, be a Christ-centered person and present yourself as a Christ-centered person. Amen. Live inside of the boundaries that God has given you to guard and guide your life. You're not going to catch somebody by reckless living and then trick them into a marriage of purposeful living. You're going, to catch the, you're going to keep them with what you 
catch them with. Catch them with might not be a a great way to phrase that, but you understand the principle. Uh, Another another boundary you want to put inside of your relationships to honor God with your boundary is you should not live your life around substances. substances. Don't plan your weeks just looking forward to the weekend. Don't plan your activities just uh, around where you're going to drink and who you're going to drink with. Some folks only talk about drinking. It's the only joy they have is where they went out, who they went out with, what party they attended. I hear this uh, on, a, on a weekly basis um, in a group of friends that Candace and I have that we're, that we're reaching out to. The only joy, the only thing they smile about is what they did last weekend and what they're going to do next weekend. And, and they're not talking about church. Um, but it's just about pub crawls and different places that have cheap deals on alcohol. I want you to know that God has more for you than the feeling you get off the substances you consume. He has more for you than that. That's not abundant life. It's not abundant life. Um, Here's another principle, uh, another boundary to set based off this principle of honoring God with your body. Don't be a glutton. It's the same thing as living off of substances. Don't live your life only getting joy from what you put into your body. Living your life based on that pleasure, only looking forward to the next meal, not able to tell yourself no. Don't live a life of gluttony. It will rob you of true, abundant life. It'll rob you of joy. Here's another boundary. Don't use your body as a tool to get validation or attention from others. Online or in in real life. Don't use your body as a tool to get validation and attention to feed insecurities within yourself. Don't do it. Here's another uh, boundary. I'm not going to make the gym my church. I'm not going to treat pre-workout and protein shakes as my communion. And I'm not going to worship the uh, reflection in the mirror as my idol. That's another path not to abundant life, but just to, to pleasure and a validation that isn't deep enough to scratch the itch of our souls and fulfill our souls to overflowing. When it comes to sex, God's word sets boundaries for us, not just principles. Praise God. He sets boundaries for us. Um, he says in scripture, don't engage in, in the Greek, porneia, which we interpret sexual immorality or sexually immoral activity like lust or fornication, sexual gratification outside of marriage, because you end up sinning against your, your uh, spouse if you're married and rob them of the purity that you're meant to give your spouse in marriage, but you also rob them of the mental and emotional health that, that is a uh, chemical reward for you at the end. I, I'm sorry, but, but you will rob them of the mental and emotional health of a a holy and healthy relationship. We rob our spouse, but we also sin against ourselves. Because what happens when we live a sexually immoral life is we begin to rewire ourselves for that chemical reward for you at the end of a spiritually bankrupt pathway. You end up craving what hurts you. Physical intimacy is not the foundation of a healthy relationship. It may drive you towards one another, but it can't be the cornerstone. 
If you are waiting to get a girlfriend or boyfriend to establish God-honoring boundaries, if you're, if you're waiting to get into a relationship before you've set up boundaries to honor God with your body, then you are not ready for a relationship. Those on the other side of divorce, your situation has changed, but your God has not. You have to make an adjustment to honor God in your new season. You had sexual expression inside of your marriage, and now you're leaving that covenant. You have to adjust yourself to honor God in your new season. One, uh, one lifestyle to live out and walk in that can be really difficult to honor God with your body in and live a pure life in is divorce because you were living in one season and you've stepped out of that covenant of marriage and now you have to adjust yourself to honor God with your body in a new season. But your God has not changed and his word has not changed. He will be faithful to you and he will help you live purely. Um, holiness is often not convenient for your situation. I don't, it's rare that holiness is convenient, but it's always worth it. It's always worth it. I've never, I've never sat across from a couple or sat across from a person who has made sacrifices to just love God and worship God, to honor him with their mind, their body, their relationship. I've never sat across from a couple that said, yeah, I just wish we hadn't honored God that way. Just wish we hadn't made that sacrifice to honor him. No one ever says that. Because it's always, always worth it. You might be a parent in the room and you're saying, when is my kid ready to date? When is your kid ready to date? It's not just when they have, know, and understand boundaries. Just because they can tell you, my curfew is 10, I will be home by 10, I understand the boundary, I know the boundary, that doesn't mean they're ready to date. I think a lot of times we base dating and our kids off of how, how responsible they are or if they know and understand boundaries. We, we would just love for them to be able to say, 10's my curfew, I'll make sure I'm home 10 minutes ahead of time, I'll be in the driveway well before that. But that is the wrong question that we should be asking. Um, they are ready to date when they have a vision of where they're going and why they're going there. It's not just about being on the road and understanding a guardrail. It's about knowing, here's my destination, and here's why I need guardrails. Here's where I'm going. I have a clear vision of the life I want to live, of the person God has called me to be, and I'm willing to make any sacrifice for it. That's when you know they're ready to step forward in a healthy and God-honoring romance, that type of dating relationship. They need a vision for where they're going. Boundaries are just helping me get to that destination. They need to understand the destination. A lot of times we feel that, um, we feel that boundaries are hurtful and they're harmful. We don't want to set boundaries over our kids' lives because it's going to hurt them and it's going to, it's going to make them cringe and twinge and it's going to sting a little bit and be kind of painful for them to have to live inside of some boundaries. I want to tell you, parents, that being hurtful and being harmful are two different things. Sometimes it's okay for your kids to run up against a boundary and be hurt a little bit. 
You may have not heard this before. Let me explain what I mean. If you get cavities in your teeth, let's say you're feeding kids sugar all day long, and they end up in the doctor's, uh, in the dentist's chair, and they're just riddled with cavities, I ask them, did that candy hurt you? No, it tasted delicious. It was so sweet going down. That candy didn't hurt me at all. But did it harm you? Absolutely. It harmed you real bad. Sometimes when we put boundaries in our kids' lives, they might feel hurtful, but they're not harmful. And one of the issues, another boundary that we're not getting into today is the the boundary of independence, sowing and reaping, not interrupting that process that God has for all of us. When your kid sows something, don't interrupt that process and not let them reap the consequences of it. That's called codependency. We're not letting them live independently. They live their whole life knocking off glasses of water off the table and you catch it before it hits the ground. Then when they step out into reality where the law of sowing and reaping is in place, they are not equipped to navigate the reality of life. And and whenever there's a codependent parent-child relationship, the child always ends up what? Resentful. Child doesn't honor or love the parents anymore. The parents say, why don't you love me? I've done everything for you. Why don't you love me? Look what I've done for you. And that's exactly the reason they're resentful. It's the the path of codependency. So parents, when you set up boundaries and restrictions and guidelines in your child's life to guard them, it might be hurtful sometimes, but it's helpful. It's not harmful. Someday they're going to appreciate that so much. Thank you. They're going to live a life where they understand how to navigate reality. They understand how someday how you helped them, how you helped them live a blessable life. God does not want to hurt you. He wants to bless you. God has an abundant life for you. God has a plan and a purpose for you that's rich and beautiful, but it requires boundaries. It requires a narrow path and a hard road. That can hurt sometimes, but it will help you and it will bless you. Maybe you're in the room today and you're not on a, you haven't been on this long journey in a relationship with Jesus Christ where, where you've stubbed your toe on that hard journey and you've come up against and maybe gone over those boundary lines many times and God's calling you out and convicting your heart about reckless behavior and pride inside yourself. Maybe that's not you today. Maybe you're just discovering the plan that God has for you that it's beautiful and abundant. It's for you to have life to spare, life to share, where you are healed and restored, living in peace and joy. Maybe you're discovering that today. It's important for you to understand the boundaries of Christian living aren't to repress and suppress and oppress you until you're depressed. The boundaries of Christian living are here to bless you, just to bless you. That's it just to bless you. Worship team, would you come back this morning? Paul said this to the Corinthians. This today, uh, our team that's in the, the Holy Land, they visited Corinth. Now they're in Athens watching online. Hello, everybody. But they were in Corinth today. And, and this is what Paul said to the church, the ancient uh, early church in Corinth. He said, I'm not sorry that I sent a severe letter to you, Though I was sorry at first, for I know it was painful to you for a little while. It hurts, but now I'm glad I sent it. 
not because it hurt you, but because the pain caused you to repent and change your ways. It was the kind of sorrow God wants his people to have. So you were not harmed by us in any way. That letter hurt you, but it didn't harm you. That's what the truth does. The kind of sorrow God wants us to experience leads us away from sin and results in salvation. There's no regret for that kind of sorrow, but worldly sorrow, which lacks repentance, results in spiritual death. Can you stand with me wherever you're at today? The Word teaches us that uh, there's a strong man that can bind us up, but one stronger comes in, he can bind up that strong man. He's talking about the power of the enemy and the power of the, the, our, our spiritual warfare against the powers of darkness in the heavenly realms, the enemy of your soul's efforts against your life. He's talking about it, and he, he says that you need one pow- more powerful than the enemy to bind him up. And this is what I, I want if you haven't heard one thing today, if, if one thing would just unlock in your heart, I would, I would want it to be this. Boundaries aren't here to bind you up. God's boundaries are to bind up the enemy and his work in your life. Boundaries are there so the enemy can be bound up so that all his work against you will be bound up and tied up. That's what God's boundaries are all about. So many principles in, in God's word can lead us into making healthy boundaries. I want you to know that today, today at the uh, mini store in the lobby, there's a book called Boundaries by Henry Cloud. It's so helpful. It talks about 10 boundaries to put in place in your marriage, in your parenting, in your dating life, with your finances. So, so helpful. It's available over there. And, um, and I want you to know that God wants to bless you abundantly. If you're in the room today and you say, I believe in him, I know that he has a path for me, but I wouldn't say I'm experiencing right now life, abundant life in my heart. I want to invite you just a moment to surrender control of the pathway. Surrender control and say, God, I receive your path. I receive your boundaries in my life. Lead me into you. Colossians says that in Christ, we live and move and have our being. In him, we live In him, we live. In him. All about the boundaries of Christ on our lives, on our actions, on our thoughts, on our behaviors and relationships. Um, So I want to pray today that you would admit and believe and choose Jesus, that we wouldn't be those unbelieving people that receive boundaries that were never meant for us in the end of of time, but we would walk inside of Christ and receive every blessing he has abundantly abundant life. That's what God has for you today. I'm going to pray and and ask God to speak to us. Then we're going to worship together. Would you bow your heads? Thank you, God, for loving each of us, for putting the truth in front of us, for anybody here that needs to receive you today. Lord, I pray that they would have a repentant heart right now. Ask for forgiveness, Lord, and choose you. Thank you, God. Lord, I pray today over each of us that we would discern and understand the boundaries that you've carved out for our lives, that we would walk in them and we would receive your abundance.